Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. You know, I am often asked about the name of my company, right? The equity equation and why did I put equity in the name? And, you know, I think that it's a missing piece of the puzzle that if you don't have conversations around diversity and inclusion without equity, you're really missing the boat. And a few months ago, I saw a post on on LinkedIn by my next guest, and it hit the nail right on the head. Are we talking about equity in this work? What does that look like in this work? And so today we are going to talk to Desiree Morton, who is the co-founder of Visibly. So Desiree, welcome to today's show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. So Desiree, I want you to first start off with talk about Visibly, you know, how that came about, how you got into this work. Yeah. Um, So I am a DEI practitioner by trade. Um, I've been uh, doing DEI across higher education um, and then tech for the last 10, 12 years now. Um, And I just see a really uh, a really big gap in terms of the the E in DEI and the equity piece. Um, I see that we're focusing a lot on you know diversity with recruiting efforts, a lot on inclusion with uh, trainings for you know the larger community um, within companies, but not so much on equity on um, providing additional resources to folks who are at the margins um, and are you know not served by those inclusion efforts necessarily. Um, and so that's where Visibly came from. Um, we're trying to, to become um, a scalable resource for companies to, to provide equity and provide resources to um, the folks who need them most. Absolutely. And deserve them. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think you, you hit on something just now and I, I want you, I want to hear your kind of take on it. So oftentimes when people think about equity, they immediately think of equality. And they're two very different things. And so I want to I want you to share your definitions of the two so that people can understand the difference with equity work versus equality. Yeah, sure. So um, I often say that you have to get to equality, like equity is past equality in my mind. Um, And a lot of companies are actually still working to get to equality, but I think we cannot wait to also be prioritizing equity. So the way that I define equality is um, everybody has access to the same resources. Um, Everyone has access to um, the same opportunities. It's just the same across the board. So um, an example would be, you know, offering the entire company um, an online learning you know, platform that everyone has equal access to. Equity in my mind is saying, okay, this is great. Everyone has access to the same thing, but we're not seeing equal outcomes. We're not seeing um, you know, folks promote at the same rate. We're not seeing retention at the same rate. And so what we're not seeing is, is um, opportunity to have equal successes. So what are those extra resources that we need to offer 
to uh, raise to raise that bar and really say, okay, everyone now is having equal access to the same um, successful opportunities as opposed to just the same resources. So it's really about providing specialized resources that work for folks um, and that prioritize their needs individually to get to the same um, successful outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah, I often say that equity is how do you either remove barriers or provide support in order for everyone to be successful, right? Yeah. So making sure that everyone has what they need in order to succeed. Um, you know, so it's it's interesting because you know we both kind of started our careers in higher education, both ended up in tech, um, both now doing diversity and inclusion work. And I think you know what you're talking about is very interesting because it's the work that I was doing in higher education in tech, you know, in other parts, and even when I was working for the educational nonprofit, um, where it was creating programs to start bridging some of those gaps, right? Mm -hmm. So it was creating programs for specific organizations, well, for specific um, communities, so that through organizations, so that we could help them either get a higher test score or have access to resources that their peers had or whatever it was. So that part of this work isn't new. Why is it so difficult for organizations to look at it now that it's under this lens of DEI? Mm. Um, it's interesting you say that because I often talk about how in higher education, the students are the customers. Um, and so, you know, higher education, we're holding um, universities to a different standard in that, um, you know, looking at the U.S. News World Reports rankings, which is kind of the, you know, the, I would say the incentive that higher education institutions are, are you know, striving to, to raise their ranks. Um, they are, they're looking at re retention. They're looking at retention. They're looking at graduation rates as success rates. And so higher education institutions need those retention um, rates to be good. They need those graduation rates to be good. Um, and so they have to, uh, focus on those things for their students of all demographics. Once they're in, they're their customers and they are literally, um, you know, determining where they fall um, in terms of their future business outcomes. Um, and so their success is tied together, whereas in business right now, it's not, right? It's really easy to, um, to you know, recruit, 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 and then, you know, just say kind of, if you're, if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. No one is really paying attention to the retention side or holding, you know, holding their feet to the fire. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking particularly over the last two, you know, two and a half, three years since we've been going through this pandemic, um, one of the notions that I've been hearing and actually agree with is we're no longer in this mode of just churning people out for a product, you know, to create a product or a service, but how will we bring in the human side of things back where we actually care about people and their success? And to your point, they may not be successful there, but we're not going to push you out without giving you the right tools and resources to do our part in ensuring that you're successful. And so it's bringing that human side back into, or bringing this human side into period um, of where we are moving forward in this world of work. So hearing that- Being accountable, accountable for that. I think that's a really big piece, yeah. That's, ding, 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 ding. that's the word of the, the, the year, right? Is accountability, <laughs> what does that look like in this space? 
So when we talk about equity and we talk about what organizations can do, one of the, um, the things that I often hear is, oh my gosh, this is going to be another big undertaking. This is going to be a huge project, or we don't have the resources or the bandwidth to take on something else. Um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So can you talk to us a little bit about just some small things that organizations can do or even think about as they're looking to bring the E into DEI. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would say the first one is um, providing control over a budget to ERGs. Um, and so, um, you know, just you have this group of folks that are coming together, they're talking about what they need, but then they have to ask for permission and justify it if they don't have a budget to, to get what they need. Um, and so by providing them a budget, giving them control over it um, and saying, you know, get what you need and then, you know, submit receipts or whatever we need for the business later, um, that enables them and empowers them to, uh, pro to provide the resources to their community that, that they know that they need. Um, and so I would say that's a big one, um, which is a, a small thing. It's just redistributing some money. Um, another one I would say is uh, really looking at um, at your data differently, your people data differently. So, um, you know, a lot of times we'll say like, oh, you know, the engagement, overall engagement is really great. And it's like, OK, but we have to chop down into that. And we really need to look at sub-communities um, across intersections and look at, mm -hmm. uh, you know, disparities there and then, you know, try to figure out what those are. So talking to your uh, community leaders, your cultural community leaders, talking to the ERGs and saying, hey, we noticed this thing. Let's figure out what what you need to, um, you know, see that engagement gap close or, you know, see, see you get closer to the resources that you need. Um, I feel like those those are really important pieces too, of just kind of like, don't just take, if it's, if it looks good enough, it's, you're probably missing something. So yeah. like, just take a second look, take a third look, spend some extra time um, with your data for sure. And have the, the tough conversations about who you're not serving. Yeah. You know, both of those things. So the first one you talked about ERGs, I, I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I absolutely agree around giving them kind of the power of their, the pocket, right. The, that budget. But it's also what are you empowering them to do? Because it's one thing and, you know, oh, we're going to have this happy hour. We're going to have this social. That's nice. But is that closing a gap that you're seeing in the data? Right. And it's like, how do you connect this? And are you giving your ERGs access to that data? Ooh. Because they can't do anything that's substantial or meaningful to their community if they don't know what they're dealing with. You know, and I, it's so funny. I, um, it's my last corporate job. Um, we were talking to kind of the head of HR and it was all of, you know, DEI practitioners. And she said, well, why do you need to see the data? Just do stuff. Oh. And all of us are looking at each other. Like, did she just say, and we're a data driven company. Like, did she say, why do we need to look at the data? <laughs> but it clicked for me that if we were to truly see the data and disaggregate, as you were saying, right, dive deep into those intersections of those identities and communities, that we would see the emperor had no clothes. Mm. And we would then start putting together programs that would fundamentally shift how yeah. they functioned, right? And they didn't want to upset that. 
she didn't mm. want to upset that. So I think it's important when you said, you know, yes, let's do a redistribution of funds, but mm -hmm. it's also, what are you going to do with those funds based on the data? Are you giving them access? Like it's all of those things that I think ties back to what you were saying around, this is the equity work. This is the hard, messy, mm -hmm. uncomfortable work of DEI, mm -hmm. right? Diversity, yeah, we can get that. Okay, that's just butts and seats. Include, yep. oh, everybody wants to belong. Everyone, it's the, the kumbaya side of yep. it. <laughs> yep. That equity piece is the dirt, grimy, what I call the dirt in the corner kind of stuff that mm -hmm. people ignore, they don't want to deal with, but they have mm -hmm. to in order for this to be successful. So Absolutely. I said a whole lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even considered that that someone would withhold data. I'm like, what? Um, I would say, you know, here I am being a little rabble rouser, but like, if you're an ERG leader, get your own data, you know, put together a, a Google survey and send it out to your ERG and say, mm -hmm. tell them exactly what you're going to use it for, you know, and, and give them the option. They don't have to do it, but um, yeah, get your own data. If you, if yeah. they won't give you it, give, get your own. And that's another piece of this, right? It's the redistribution of not just resources, but power. Power, That's yep. part of equity. So mm -hmm. if you are in a leadership role and you're like, well, no, I need to hold on to this power or mm -hmm. I need to have final say, then you're really not doing equity work, right? Like who's truly at the table, the decision-making table, not just the table, you yes. know? And, and I visualize <laughs> that kind of holiday dinner where you have the adult table and then the kids table, Ooh, everybody's yep. at a table. Mm -hmm. But ain't no decisions being made at that kids table <laughs> other than who's playing on the jungle gym or- yeah, Which color and page we're gonna color, yep. No, no fundamental mm -hmm. family decisions are being made there. It's happening mm -hmm. at the adult table. And so the Ooh. same thing happens in corporate mm -hmm. spaces. Oh, we're gonna give you a table. It's just gonna have Mickey Mouse on it and y'all have some crayons. Right. Mm -hmm. so Show me what you make afterwards. Yeah. Right. I, just, I hear about ERGs and the work that they're doing. And I hear about all these social things, mm -hmm. or it's not even tying back to the business of, okay, we make these products. How can our ERGs create mm -hmm. input? Right. So that's the other, that's a whole other conversation around ERGs versus business resource groups versus affinity groups. But where who has power mm -hmm. and where well it's, it's interesting you say that because i think um it's like the responsibility versus the power too right it's uh a lot of times ergs are responsible for entertaining or social socializing yeah. the community um but they don't have the power to make substantive change um, and so it's almost more like you said like oh we're at this kids table i have the power as the lead to like hand you out these little like fun things to keep you occupied while the grownups over there are making the decisions and having grown up conversation and we're just doing this thing. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's the, it's the power versus the responsibility um, aspects of it. And I 100% agree that power yeah. redistribution is, is a real piece that maybe they're not ready to hear about yet, but they're not I'm, ready. Glad you're, I'm glad you're bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> they're not ready. 
So uh, let's talk about the second piece, right? So you talk about kind of data and disaggregating the data or, or separating that out. Talk to us a little bit more about, um, and we talked about it just now, but why is that so important in this work? Yeah. Um, so I think it, I think it is incredibly important because where you see the, the hidden um, things that DEI specifically needs to focus on in terms of creating that equity is in kind of the nooks and crannies of the data, right? It's by definition, um, you know, when you're looking at, so I'm an economist by, by a scholar, um, by scholarship. So when you're looking at like a, a curve, right, a bell curve, mm -hmm. the, the kind of middle there is where the most people fall. Um, and what we do typically with a lot of data is we'll say like, oh, most people are following in, you know, this like 80th percentile for engagement. This is fantastic. But in DEI work, you need to be looking at the margins, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to be looking at, okay, well, who's all the way over here on this end? Um, why are they, you know, why are they rating so low? How do they identify? How long have they been here? Asking those questions as opposed to just kind of patting yourself on the back because the majority of folks at the company are feeling good, feeling engaged, you know, happy, got the resources they need. So mm -hmm. um, it's really about investigating those, those, you know, outliers. Yeah. Details. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I hadn't taken econ in a while, but just, <laughs> it just came back to me. But yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely true, right? Most, and that's where organizations will say, okay, well, we want to talk about equality because if this is the majority, right, then everyone's going to do well. And they, to your point, ignore the outliers. They ignore the tails. But if we're looking for equality or equity, I should say, um, the tails are what we look at first. Yep. Then we come in because if we can get these folks engaged mm -hmm. and doing well, it's going to trickle. Right. This yeah. is where trickle it down economics does work. Trickle up. Trickle right. up. Trickles up. <laughs> yeah. But this is where it does work. You know, mm -hmm. it's like whoever is on the margins, if they're doing well and whatever tweaks are made, you will reach those that are in the middle. You will reach mm -hmm. the majority. Um, because what I've often found too is so a lot of people that are in the majority may be hiding parts of themselves. Because they don't want to be in the margins, right? Mm -hmm. so they're coming up with and spending energy and time doing other things to help mm -hmm. them stay within that middle ground mm -hmm. that takes up a lot more energy, time, and space. And so, again, if we're looking for those that are on the margins, then you're also taking that pressure off of those folks that are faking their way in the middle. Yeah, I love that. Um yeah, I think there's, I mean, <laughs> you, talk, you said that and I was like, yeah, people who, you know, when there's like all this data coming out now about how many people are, are struggling um, yeah. in general, you know, all identities and across, you know, we, we see it specifically with, you know, marginalized identities more, but everyone is having this struggle. And so if you're coming back and you're saying, everyone is doing amazing at this company, we're doing great, we have this level of engagement, everything's great, then those folks who, like you said, are kind of faking their way through it, just kind of trying to push, like they yeah. too are negatively impacted, even if they're not necessarily coming up in the data at that, at that tail end. Yeah. Um, whereas when you come and you say like, we've got some things to work on because every 
organization has some things to work on. There's no, there's no perfect company. There's no perfect element of society. Everyone's got some things to work on and this, you know, will continue. Just keep getting closer, hopefully. Um, when you come and say that, then it gives room, people room, room to breathe. Oh, okay. Well, we've got some things to work on. That, that's, that's good to hear. And I don't have to pretend like everything is perfect. Um, so I love, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, it just clicked to like, those are the folks that are kind of faking it or just getting by like those, those quote unquote quiet quitters, mm -hmm. right? They're doing just mm -hmm. enough, checking all the right boxes, sign off yep. at five o'clock, right? They're not yep. engaged, um, but they'll check all the right things on the survey just mm -hmm. to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well here. And that's not necessarily their reality. So mm -hmm. I want to um, pivot just a little bit in as organizations are thinking about equity, it, as they're thinking about, okay, how do we take this work to the next level? Um, one of the challenges that often comes up is there's this mindset of a certain group of people that are like, well, in order for us to talk about DEI or you know, even the equity, I'm losing something. I'm, you're taking something away from me. And so how do we address that in this work? Hmm. Um, well, we start by looking at the, the bottom line of the company, which uh, oftentimes is not zero. So uh, it doesn't have to come from, from you, right? There's, um, there's a lot of resources within uh, the majority of these organizations. And I think the, the idea that, um, that you're losing something by someone else gaining something um, is, is based on kind of a, you know, a, what is it like the pie, but yeah. this is not a pie. There's like extra filling sitting <laughs> off to the side, <laughs> off to the side in the form of, you know, profits and, um, and extra resources. And so um, I think, first recognizing that, right? That, that there's extra. Um, I think the second thing in my mind is, is really looking at right now how things are distributed. Um, I feel like a lot of times the folks having these conversations are the folks kind of like in the middle or you know, at the kind of front lines of the organization. Whereas uh, what, you, what you see when you look at the bigger picture is that so many resources are actually going to the top. Yeah. Um, you know, hierarchically. So it's like, okay, well, let's like redistribute some of those. Maybe you don't need, you know, this like public speaking coach for, you know, <laughs> for the whole year. Maybe you only need them for a couple of days before the, the big uh, conference or something. Yeah. Um, and so like, let's look at, let's look at, you know, where the resources are completely and recognize that they're that there is extra, that there is literally profit um, being made here. And that by reinvesting some of that profit um, into uh, our employees, we actually save money in the longer term because we're retaining them. We're growing them. We're not having to backfill. Um, and, you know, we're we're building a better product because, you know, we have uh, more input and more power distribution and more decision making um, buy in. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's all in the way you slice the pie, but like I said, there's there's extra over there. So there's more um, filling over there. There's more filling over there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's two things you said that really resonated with me. One is the redistribution of those resources across the board, and there's been some recent research that said, you know, 
a lot of the training for middle managers or folks that are in the middle has gone away over time, but they're realizing like those are the folks that are leaving. They're the ones that actually need more resources than the top. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's part of this redistribution. So even it's, it's not even necessarily based on race, gender, sex, you know, sexual orientation, et cetera. It's people managers are not giving the tools and resources to be successful, period. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do we do that and infuse the EI as part of their support and their training? Because they're the ones that are being told, make this happen, but not being shown how to do it or, or the tactics behind it. Um, the other piece of that is. It's, it's an interesting conversation that's taking place where folks that have been privileged in so many other ways and have not had many obstacles to move within their careers or throughout their careers are now seeing DEI as um, a threat to mm. what they're doing. And so it's like by providing people resources and support and guidance to get to where actually some of these folks are just mediocre. They just had the right... <laughs> Friends and family. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, it's like, okay, now we can compare apples and apples. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now if we have the same background or even if this person who has not had the same resources has a better background, we hear it all the time. Women of color have more degrees. Women of color mm -hmm. have more experience. Women of color want mm -hmm. to move forward in their careers. They're not given the same tools, resources, mentorship, sponsorship, et cetera. So if yeah. we were to provide that, right now you're talking about an honest competition. Mm. And that's where a lot of this threat is coming from because I've never had to compete before. Mm -hmm. I know Bob or I know Sam mm. and he's going to, you know, put my name in for this, right? So yep. we remove some of those things or mm. let's make sure that everyone has the opportunity to mm put forth a, a candidate, you know, it's like, how do we make these processes more equitable so that everyone has a fair shot and mm -hmm. those that have been mediocre mm -hmm. can't continue to succeed, mm. right? In the same ways and not saying that they should not succeed, but they cannot mm -hmm. succeed in the same ways. And so mm -hmm. I think that's what a lot of this work and what you're talking about is really doing. It's like, how are we operating in a system that has been inequitable for mm -hmm. so long, right? Who's been in this middle? Who's mm -hmm. on the margins and what's forcing them to be on those margins, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is it because they don't have access to a VP that they can just walk into that person's office? <laughs> yep. Or go out for drinks. Or go out for drinks, mm -hmm. right? Or go over to their house for the weekend because their kids are in the same private school. Mm -hmm. All of those things play out. You know, yeah. I worked for, um, I, I moderated, facilitated a session for a company and the CEO, it was a small company and the CEO couldn't understand why um, the women of color in particular weren't doing well, like weren't happy there. And what come to find out, he rode in with one of the guys that was on the team. He would have these impromptu lunches with guys that uh, come to find out they all went to college together. So these were his mm -hmm. college buddies that he hired and not saying that they weren't good at their jobs, mm -hmm. but there was a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. So when a mistake was made, he was more likely to, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Versus- I know you got it. You're you're competent. You're uh, whatever college we went to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You right. get the benefit so, of the doubt. Yeah. Those things, like those are the nuances mm-hmm. that make inequity shine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or okay. those side conversations. Right. Oh, I'm thinking about this initiative. Da, 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 da. And then the person. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. I would, you know, I could contribute this X, Y and Z. And now they have this gross project. And that, you know, woman of color that you were referring to is wondering, how did they get selected for that? Why didn't I get a chance to, you know, put in my my ideas for that? Well, because it happened on the golf course, on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> In the car, apparently. In the car, right. All of these these relationships yeah. and, and things. Um, so, you know, we've discussed a lot and it's not easy work. You know, I, I honestly believe the equity piece is probably the most difficult piece because yeah. that's where <laughs> feathers get a little ruffled. Um, mm-hmm. And so in doing that, how do you take care of yourself? Like, how do you mm-hmm. fill your cup? How do you... Yeah, I have one more thing to say uh, about the last thing, which is that uh, relationships are power, too. Um, Mm. And so I just wanted to like to to speak to that, which is, you know, um, I think a lot of people think of or maybe a lot of people are starting to think about systemic power or even starting to think about positional power. Oh, I'm the VP on this and that. Those are obvious. Um, more obvious, but those relationships are also power. If you have, yes. if you have the ear of someone um, who's in that more senior role, or you have, you know, an outside of work relationship, or um, you know, even just more proximity in terms of friendliness, like that is a source of power. Um, and so we're talking about redistributing power. That is a piece of it too. Is yes. if you're a senior leader, it's looking at who are you spending your time with and who are you brainstorming with and who are you sharing your ideas with first or who are you just giving jobs to yeah (laughs) there you go who are you giving jobs to yeah yeah because yeah that's a whole other conversation but where vp basically gave me someone in a for a dei role who had never done dei work before but because it was that person this vp's friend yeah i was told i couldn't even hold her accountable Mm. So how are you setting me up for success? Yeah. You're not. They're, they're not I'm not interested in, in success in that. Yeah. But yeah. So, so yeah, just wanted to just wanted to call that out for anyone who's thinking yes. about redistributing power, look at those relationships too as, a, as an important one. Um, okay. So going to your question about um filling mic up. Um, I would say, I mean, for me, really having um one-on-one conversations is really, really filling for me, especially with other uh, DEI practitioners, folks who um, who get it. Like, I think it's just like, oh, after I leave every one of these conversations, I just, I feel so much better. I think also, um, you know, I do therapy, I do coaching. Um, and so those things are kind of what keep me moving um, and are really important to, to, you know, keep my mental health. Um, feeling good, feeling, you know, at least at a, at a halfway point of the cup. Um, but yeah, I love meeting people. I just love meeting people and having one-on-one conversations that are real and stretch, um, you know, stretch my brain and um, yeah, building relationships is, is really important to me. I, I love it. So Sounds good. yeah, well, thank good. you. Well, Desiree, how can people, <clears throat> excuse me, contact you 
if they want to continue the conversation. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn way too much. Uh, <laughs> so, Me too. Um, way too much. <laughs> um, and so would, would highly recommend uh, reaching out on LinkedIn. Um, I also shared my email address. So uh, I'm open to emails too. But um, yeah, LinkedIn, I would say, is, is you might even get a faster response on LinkedIn than by email at this point. So you sound like me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Find me on LinkedIn. I live there. Yes, I live there. I'm there all the time. There's so much to learn anyway. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Desiree, for being here with us this week and having this conversation. Because like I said, I think it's a piece of this DEI puzzle that is often overlooked, um, purposefully or not. Is overlooked. And so thank you so much for, for being here with us today. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of DEI After Five. You can continue to follow us here on YouTube or follow us on your favorite podcast platform um, where we distribute these every Tuesday at 5.15 p.m. Eastern. Have a good one. See you next time.